Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. You know, I think that for us in our culture, where we are just struggling so much with the feeling that we like our lives, this topic of Thanksgiving is just so ridiculously important. In an age where we live, we've never lived in a more blessed and prosperous season in the history of the world than the one we live in now. And I know everybody here has got feelings in their life. You wish you had this and you'd like to have that. And I'm looking at their life and man, it seems so preferable to mine. But the truth is, guys, that around you, in you, through you, in your life, God is doing amazing things. We all have a reason for thanksgiving. We're going to get in danger in our lives, not if we don't, if, not if we give thanksgiving, but we're going to be in tremendous danger if we fail in our lives to prioritize giving thanks for the good things that God is doing. If the Bible overwhelms with any theme, it is that it is good for us to be thankful people. The Bible says, in all things, give thanks. Did you know that? You stub your toe, give thanks. You have a problem in your life, give thanks. Your world falls down, give thanks. And I know for many of us that can sound like, John, what on earth are you talking about? I'm not feeling thankful in the moments of my life where things aren't going the way that I wanted. But the Bible is trying to teach you and I a powerful key that if we could learn it this morning, I promise it could transform your life. Because the gravitational pull of our lives is not to give thanks for what God is doing, but to be downhearted or to be somehow, you know, feeling low and overwhelmed. We live in a world where people are anxious and stressed and everybody wishes they have another widget. And we all, we all think if we could get that thing or have their life or we look on Instagram and their holiday seems better than mine and, you know, their, their life is somehow, of course their life looks better than your life because you're looking at their highlights and you're living in your lowlights. And if we're not careful, what we do is we magnify the lows, we get on Instagram and we magnify everybody else's highs and our perspective gets totally messed up. So the Bible doesn't say to us, yeah, just have endless hours just comparing your life to the life of others. It doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says if you want to ruin your life, then live in comparison. Hello? I'm talking a little better than people here responding today. I just... In our lives, if we get fixated, if I spend my life looking at you, it will devalue me. If I'm looking at what I don't have and making that the focus of my life, then I'm gonna sabotage what God is wanting to do in my life in every moment and every season, because in every season, in every moment, no matter how good your life right now, no matter what kind of hell is broken loose in your life in the last day or week or month, the truth is in every season, God is still doing something good. There is still a promise. There is still, still a work of Jesus, still another day for you. Your life is not redundant. You're, 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 you don't ever run out of purpose. You're not, you're not ever coming dry of a sense that God is finished with me now. No, in every moment, every season, every day, every, every port, every storm, every moment, God is doing something good. And if you believe that, give Him about five seconds of thanks. God's always working. 
God's working in my life even when I don't feel like He's working. And what Thanksgiving does is it connects me, it takes me out from my looking at what I want, what I need, and woe is me. We are a narcissistic, self-focused generation. We, we, we want, we covet, we have more than we've ever had. And yet more people feel like they don't have enough. Is this not true? Come on, get in. That's for, that's for the person sitting next to you, I know, but it's true, isn't it? And we, and we look at, at the lives of others and, and we live our lives. Colossians 3, 2 is our verse that we're going to get to in a minute, but it's so powerful. It's like, it's like it was scripted for our generation because we are, we, are, we are comparing ourselves online and we are responding to our urges online and we spend our days. Anybody been on public transport lately? If you want to freak people out on public transport, then just look up. <laughs> just do that just hey if you really want to mess with people on public transport don't have a phone in your hand like this is radical guys like if you want to really freak them out then just say hello people don't know what to do like the, the, it wasn't my phone that said hello it wasn't there was no no vibration preceded the communication there wasn't we, you act it's a real human being but we spend our lives is this not true come on you know what I'm talking about don't look at the person next to you like they're the only one who does it, you know? If you're over 40, it's Facebook. If you're under 40, it's Instagram. If you're struggling to stay young, then you go with Instagram. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what category of life you're in. Yeah, yeah, it's true, isn't it? But at the end of the day, we're looking here and we're going, we're crawling into bed and we're anxious and we're fearful. Even when you're 14, you're living your life not liking the life that you're living. No 14-year-old should be out of love with life yet. Come on, man, your worst problem is a pimple. And already you think your life sucks. Come on, you gotta save those emotions for your 40s. Have a, have, give yourself a break. But we're looking here, this is what we're doing, we're looking here. We're staring at the screen that is in front of us, the life that is around us. We're staring at the screen that is in front of us. And then we crawl into bed feeling like we don't have enough. And in all of that, I think like just an echoing verse from heaven that we're gonna study for just a few minutes this morning is Colossians chapter three, verse two. And this is what Colossians tells us. It says, don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with things that are right in front of you. Anybody reckon that the person next to you needed to hear that verse? Come on, we, we're not gonna find the life that God has for us if we're absorbed with me, looking at the life that is around us, comparing ourselves to everybody else's reality, and then to give us the antidote to our societal ill, the Bible tells us that we should look up and we should be alert to what is going on around Christ. That is where the real action is. See things from His perspective. The Bible's saying, if I wanna change my world, I don't need to change my phone, my address. I don't need to change my career. Listen, listen, ladies, you don't need a new husband to have a great life. Guys, you don't need a new wife to have a great life. Teenagers, you don't need an iPhone 11. You can have an awesome life with an iPhone 5. 
it is humanly possible to enjoy life without even a scrap of technology. But the Bible is saying that if we want to get more enjoyment out of life, more meaning out of life, more purpose out of life, then I have to take my focus and I have to switch it. I have to change my perspective and I have to shift it. I have to go from Cameron and John and me and you look better and I wish you had and you seem awesome and I wish I had you and I don't have enough for me. And the Bible says, get your eyes off yourself and look up firstly towards Jesus. I don't know who you are. I don't know how broken you are, where you've come from, where you're beaming in from around the world. But I want every person here in this message to know that the greatest honor and privilege God ever gave us was to take our eyes off ourselves and to fix our eyes upon Him. When I became a Christian, I was 18 years old, and I had the same house, the same address, the same bedroom, the same job, the same brother, the same sister. But the truth is, it was like somebody took my life and photoshopped it. Like I woke up the morning after I gave my life to Jesus, and the same grass I stared at every day was greener. If you know what I'm talking about, just give me a wave or something. Hundreds of hands. Yeah, clap, clap if that's happened to you. I had a perspective of my life and it shifted. I went from resenting things, like the fact that I cannot tan. Just can't. I've been in Australia more than New Zealand in the last two months. I've been in Hawaii for two weeks. This is me, this is as good as it gets. This is the full silhouette. This is John at his tandest. Shut up, people are laughing all over the auditorium here today. And I could think about what is lacking in me, but the moment that I start connecting with Jesus, something different happens. You know what I mean? A whisper from heaven starts to fill your spirit. A joy from the Lord starts to fill your soul. A purpose, an awakening to my life, to the wonder of who God is and the fact that He would make His home in my heart and I'm here, not by accident, but for a reason and my life isn't redundant, but I actually could achieve something of eternal purpose. And you know what? In your life, you could look at the school you're not going to, the things that you don't have, the widgets that you think you need. But at the end of the day, what God is saying is get your eyes off what you don't have. Start realizing what you do have. Shift your focus from what is empty and realize what is full. Stop thinking about what you need and start realizing what you've got. A widow comes up to a prophet and says, I've got nothing. Everything's about to fall over. My children are about to get sold into slavery. Everything in my life is broken. And the prophet literally said to her, what do you have? She said, I have a little jar of oil. I have a little bit of flour. And right then, a little bit with thanksgiving turned into a lot. And in your life, I want you to know that a little becomes a lot when we change our perspective and get it. We need a change, guys. We need a societal, generational, cultural shift out of what we don't have and what we wish we had to what God has already given us and the wonder of the life that we're living. That's how we're going to navigate this thing. Somebody give God about five seconds of praise and thank Him for three things in your life. If you can breathe, give Him thanks. If you can smile, give Him thanks. If somebody, anybody gets excited when you walk into a room, give thanks. Ten people are like, nobody will come to my house. My dog gets excited when everybody walks in the room. Nobody likes you, get a dog. They always love you. They're amazing. I don't need sycophants. I have a dog. It's all I need. 
She just lives through it. Like, what are you doing? What are you? Where are you going? It's awesome. I feel great. It's like a self-esteem helper. Thank you. <laughs> the Bible says you can change your life if you just change your perspective. Change your perspective. And this has never been more needed in the culture in which we live. We fall out of love with things. We devalue things. The drift in life is south. We stop thanking God. We become familiar. It's the drift of our culture. It's fed by marketing machine, billions and billions and trillions of dollars spent every year by companies attempting you to fall, wanting you to fall out of love with what you've got and to covet what you don't have. And they don't care. They, it's not a moral exchange. They want you to want somebody else's clothes, somebody else's phone, somebody else's car, somebody else's spouse. They don't care. Spend, covet, desire. And as an antidote for our societal ill, God says, love what you have. Let me in. Let me show you what you've got. The thing with melancholy is it robs you of energy, and the thing about thanksgiving is it fills your life with passion. And when we feel so tired and so drained and so overwhelmed, maybe we've needed this more than we've ever needed this before, that the change for me is not what I get, it's the thanksgiving that I give. And as I become increasingly aware of what I've already got, suddenly on the inside of me, I'm awakened to I should, I should do something nice because my spouse is amazing. I, I, should, I should engage with my life because there are so many opportunities. While we're sitting on our beds and thinking, I wish I had, God says, no, get out of bed, fall on your knees and realize what you've got. It'll send you from your knees to the streets, from, from the streets to your dreams as you pursue what God has given you to do. This is what we need. We need a radical shift. I want us to have about five seconds of thanks. Can we just thank God, thank God, thank God, thank God. If you can breathe, if you got out of bed, thank God. You got two legs that walk, thank God. And that's why every year in our church, we like to take this Sunday to be a special day where we just thank God for all the good things that He is doing. That's why we showed this video, because the Lord is doing amazing things in our church. And our drift is to fall out of love with what God is doing, or to begin to humanize the divine, to trivialize the work of Christ. Whether it be in our lives or in our church community, we can easily miss the wonder of what God is doing. And that's why I love this moment because I want to preach it to an individual life, but I want to take a few minutes today and preach that the Lord is moving in a wonderful way in our church. I remember years ago, I was sitting uh, in a conference and they played a lengthy video about problems in the third world and they showed these little children in Africa that their, their heads, their heads just seem to be way too large for their bodies. Have you ever seen these bodies, these, these videos? These children are so skinny and malnourished and a thought began to grow on the inside of me. We have thousands of people in our church community. Maybe we could do something to make a difference. And so this idea was born that we pick a pocket, a pocket of the world, a little community somewhere, and we got the thousands of people in our church community and invited them to sponsor children. And if they can't do it alone, maybe they could do it as a life group. And now we sponsor hundreds of children in a little area called Lapree in Malawi. And it was an amazing thing. It literally changed the way World Vision interacted with churches in New Zealand. It was an innovation, a great idea. And now when you go to Lapree in Malawi, you saw the video this morning, but there is a, a corner, an area development plan. There is a corner of the universe where children 
You saw the kid in that video, and, and when I saw it for the first time, I turned to the person sitting next to me, Manuel Latoa, and I said, Manuel, the reason why that child has clear eyes, did you notice how wide her eyes are? I said, that's because she lives near a well. And then 30, literally straight away, the well came up on the stage. But first time I ever went, ever went to Lapri in Malawi, I visited, visited two of my children. I saw the first child, and she lived where a well was yet to be dug. Now we have dug a well there, which is awesome. But she had bloodshot eyes, uh, just fevery, like you shook her hand and it was like all cl just clammy, just, you know, hot with fever. And, and she had no energy and this cough, this <coughs> just coughing all the time. And then we got in a car and we went only a few kilometers down the road to where another one of my sponsored children, our family's sponsored children lives. And this sponsored child had a well and her eyes were clear, not bloodshot, and she was full of energy and just seemed to be so healthy, and her hand was a normal temperature. And now, you know, those goats you saw, that's passionate conference. That, that's, that's the woman of our church, and then hundreds of families. We've reversed trends, like there used to be stunting. You know, just stunting means I'm 11 years old and I should be this high, but I'm this high. Because I haven't had regular access to food, so my skeletal structure couldn't develop in critical seasons of my life. We've reversed those trends now, and these children are becoming adults, and they're learning in the society. We need to give the Lord a massive praise that I went without a coffee a day, and as a result, a community of people are now living with purpose and hope and the name of Jesus is being lifted high. Can you praise God for about three seconds? We have a lot of reasons to be thankful. I was on a panel recently and they said to me, they said, John, what makes you cry? And the answer was the quickest answer I've ever given to a question on a panel. I just said child abuse. And if you know me, you would know that I love children and you would know that child abuse just breaks my heart. And about eight years ago, maybe longer, I was sitting in my doctor's waiting room and there was a New Zealand magazine listener or North and South or something, and I grabbed it and I began to read this article about a kid. I think his name was Jack. And over four days, the kid had been beaten to death in New Zealand. And I put the article down and they called my name and I could hardly communicate with my doctor. I just was just overwhelmed in a land of green grass and abundant crops and weather and beaches and sunshine and promise in a land like New Zealand that children were being treated this way. And it led our church on a journey. And so a few years ago, I went up to our youth pastor at the time, James Duxfield, and together with his wife, Jess, Jilly and I just sat down with them and I said, James, I want you to leave a plus job. Everybody wants to be a youth pastor and I want you to become our community outreach pastor. Our first goal was gonna be to feed children breakfast. So we started, we just went into one low decile school. For those of you who are international, that essentially means um, the bottom of the pile. And we went in and we started feeding these kids breakfast. Kids, kids are going to school in New Zealand without food in their stomach. This is not normal. It's not ever one symptom, it's bundled. There's abuse, drug addiction, dependency, a lack of societal boundaries. The, the children that are there might never have an adult who's ever looked at them across the meal table and said, how was your day? They might never have engaged in, in their lives, in their lives, in an adult who cared personally about their lives. We're not feeding breakfasts. We are, but we're feeding hope. We're feeding hope. 
We're telling children that there's a better life than the one that they've been immersed in, that somebody cares enough about them to give them the time of day, that they're not an accident, they're not, they're not somehow to be pushed off to the side, that they're not fit for abuse, but they're there because God loves them and God's got a plan. And it doesn't matter how your life started, Jesus is still gonna work something amazing out of it. And there's a community of people who think you really matter. And what an amazing thing to now be able to celebrate today. And I want us to go crazy and celebrate that 100,000 children have now been given breakfast as a result of this church and the work of the Arise Care team. Give God some praise for that. And thank you every single member of the Arise Care team. 1,500 meals a week are being given to children in this nation because of the Arise Care team. And I think we need to thank God for those 1,500. We're believing it's gonna be thousands. We're not just here to give children breakfast, we're here to give people hope. And if you believe that, shout amen. We live in a world of displaced people where the, refugee, the number of refugees on the planet has potentially never been higher in the history of the world. We, as Christians, read our Bibles and we discover the great dispersion. We understand that God's people began as slaves in Egypt and if anybody should care for a refugee camp, it should be the house of God. And so as a church community, we've begun to partner and see if we can make a difference in the lives of refugees. And what an amazing thing it is now because New Zealand has a very generous policy and every refugee that arrives in the city of Wellington, every single refugee is given food for the first week that they're in our nation by the Arise Storehouse, part of our Arise Care team, part of Arise Church. Every single refugee. Can we give God some praise for that? A refugee family of seven who escaped terror in their own nation spent seven years in a refugee camp in Lebanon and arrived in New Zealand, were greeted with love, with care, with one-on-one -on -one attention, with supplies, with equipment, with food, because of the work of the Arise Care teams, the Arise Storehouse, the Arise team. Can we give God some praise for all that He is doing? This is making a difference in the lives of people. Somebody shout amen. You know, we have a dream in our church that we could make a difference. Have campuses of our church covering the country and what an amazing thing it has been this year to launch yet another campus of our church. We've got a bunch more on the go at the moment, which is so incredibly exciting. Look out 2020 and beyond. We have literally four campuses that we're planning at the moment, but we're launched in the city of Palmerston North this year. Uh, we've seen 106 people already in three months give their lives to Jesus. Can we give God some praise for that? 312 unique people have attended a small group, a life group already in Palmerston North. Isn't that's a that's a number you can't fudge. That's an incredible number. That's absolutely amazing to see what the Lord is doing. Our online campus. We love you guys. Let's give them again our on, online. We love you. We love you. We love you. We love you in Argentina. We love you in the Philippines. We love you in every nation on earth. We love you, we love you, we love you. You're wonderful. And through our online community, we are now ministering to 30 different nations 
As a church, we're able to see online small groups already beginning to happen. We're able to touch the elderly who can't get to church. We're able to touch uh, things like missionaries on the mission field who are every part of our online campus and get support. Incredible, helping people with auditory disorders, with autism, with all kinds of issues, new mums who can't get uh, to church on a Sunday because of a newborn baby. We're literally able to impact hundreds and hundreds of people every single week as a result of a group of people who right now are out the back here at the the Michael Fowler Center. I'd love you to yell for them so loud that they can hear you out the back. Come on, lift it up. Thank you for sitting on a laptop laptop while we get to stand and worship. Thank you for ministering to people that you might never meet in your life. It's amazing to see people now are coming literally like rolling up at the Arise Center. And a guy the other day rolls up and starts taking photos. So someone goes outside and says, hey, can we help you? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm a member of the Arise online campus of just in Wellington for the day, never got to see the buildings. So he came in, had a whole tour of the whole facility. It's part of our church family. And never, until then, had never been part of anything in the real space that we've ever done. Can we give God some praise? It's just amazing, amazing, amazing. We're so committed to life groups here at Arise because we just believe that we grow together with relationships. That we're gonna be the same people in 10 years' time. We don't have the right people in our world. And as a result of our life groups, we're literally able to minister now to over 5,000 people a month, 700 small groups, absolute move of God. Arise Conference saw nearly 1,000 people say yes to Jesus across the two conferences. Thank you to the Arise team for everything you did to take it from one venue to two. We're able to minister to 2,000 more people at Arise Conference because of your efforts. And man, the Lord is moving in power. So far this year in 2019, already this year, we've seen 2,267 people. It's the first, second week of November and already 2,200 67 people have said yes to Jesus in an Arise Church service. I think we need to give the Lord a greater praise than that. I think we need to praise Him like we believe He's working in power. That's a miracle. That's a miracle in motion. Man, that's incredible. God is doing wonderful things. And I just want to say today, thank you, Arise Church. Thank you to every member of the Arise team. 3,000 different people every month serve in the life of our church to make a difference in the lives of others. If you're part of the Arise team in any way, then we want to invite you to come out and join us at the Arise Center Wednesday night starting at six o'clock because we're going to have the most enormous party to thank God and to celebrate together everything that He has done and what has been a truly amazing year. 2019 has been for our year, a church, a year of incredible progress, rapid advancement, phenomenal results. God is moving in power. And I just want you to know no matter what's broken in your life, look up because God is moving. Look up because God is moving. Change your perspective. God is there. If you're melancholic today, then lift up your head and realize that God is doing something amazing. He's always working. He never stops working. Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. In the words of the prophet Kanye, that's on God. God's doing great things. 
And it, come on, man. And every moment, every season, every day, the Lord hasn't finished with you yet. God's got a great destiny and a plan in store for each and every person. I'm looking up and realizing He put the sun in the sky and a purpose in my heart. He gave me breath in my lungs and a song to sing. He gave you a reason for living and now you got to live it. And God is wanting every person to know that your life is not an accident, a leftover, but you're full of divine purpose. You are anointed and appointed by God. And when we begin to overflow with thanksgiving, then we begin to be awakened. God doesn't want you living another despondent, comparative day of your life. God wants you living and embracing life full of purpose and full of identity. Know this, your life is here by divine design and God is gonna use you to change the world. If you believe it, then stand to your feet and give your God some praise all over this room. Lift your voice and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See creation and see God's power and see the life of God beating in your chest and realize that God saved you and God called you and God anointed you and God is gonna heal you. And no matter what storm or valley we might find ourselves in the middle of, God hasn't finished the chapter until victory is ours. And you can thank the Lord because even if it feels like the sentence is fatal, the victory is won in heaven on the cross and the grave has no sting and death has no victory and Jesus has already won the battle and if you believe it for 30 seconds I need you to praise God that he is with you that he is able that he's working and I need you to go bigger I need you to put aside all despondency we break the shackles of heaviness we break the bondage of despair we break we break every spirit that would make us complacent every demon in hell that would try to trap us lift your hands towards heaven all over this room I'm believing right now for a spirit of thanksgiving to enter the heart and life of every person that's in this auditorium. Maybe you don't even know Jesus yet. Just know that God's thankful that He met you. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, where maybe has been, Lord, we've fallen victim to the spirit of this age, this comparative, lustful, yearning and craving world in which we live. I pray, God, that you would just free us. Your pathway is to fall in love with the wonder of what you have done on the inside of us, to lift up our eyes and see what the Lord is doing. And I declare that over every person in this room today. In the mighty name of Jesus, we war right now. We war. We war against the greed in comparison. We war. We war against the thoughts of futility that try to enter our minds. We declare every thought taken captive and make obedient to Christ. I declare over every person in this room, your life has a purpose. There's a parent here right now with a sick child. You're praying for them like crazy. Just know this, that child has a purpose. Child has a purpose. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. If you're Watching this message online, there are about three mums who just feel overwhelmed by the season of this newborn child right now that you're in the middle of. I'm not here to add guilt to you, shame to you, but I'm here to tell you that even in the middle of the most challenging seasons of your life, you're doing one of the greatest things you've ever done. You're bringing not just a child into the world, but destiny. 
Where your heart weeps, you will know joy. I declare that over you. The child is in Isaac. It's going to be a cause of laughter in your life, of joy and wonder. And I declare to every broken heart that it will be healed in the presence of Jesus. I declare right now that thanksgiving would be awakened. Thanksgiving would be awakened. Somebody in this room feels like there's no reason to get out of bed. I want you to go home and start making a list of everything that you have to be thankful for. If you can breathe, that needs to be on your list. If anybody in the world cares about you, put it on your list. If you got to enjoy a new day today, put it on your list. We need to fall in love with the wonder of what God has already done. We need to count His blessings. We need to see the wonder of what He is doing. And in the name of Jesus, I declare, as David said, that you would lift us out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and mire, that you bring us out of the heaviness so prevalent in our culture, that you put a new song in our mouths, that you'd awaken thanksgiving in the inside of us, that you put us in a place of promise, that you put us in a place of new identity, that you'd awaken destiny on the inside of every person. And I declare the victory of Jesus over every person in these services in Jesus' mighty name. And if you believe it, lift your voice and give God about 30 seconds of praise and thanksgiving in the name of Jesus. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.